Good morning, comrades, and welcome to another episode of Workers' Power here on 4ZZZ. My name's Bill, I use the he, him pronouns. I'm Jen and I use she, her. And I'm Jackson, I use they, them. And uh, thank you to the transmission team. Did you... They they were talking about power. Oh, yeah. Power? You know, a great segue into workers' power. We love to build power in marginalised communities. That's that's right, we sure do. Uh, I I, I think that... um, it was a great episode. So if you want to listen back to that episode or or any of the Workers' Power episodes, you can go to 4ZZZ.org.au and hear that great, great episode uh, from Easy and the Gang. All right, um, so today on, on, on Workers' Power, we've got, uh, we've got plenty. There's, there's a lot going on. And uh, we, we've got a we've got a guest that we're going to interview over the phone from uh, after the eleven a.m. Z lines. We've got Robert from the Queensland Waiters Study Group, who are part one of the just, just one of the community groups that are, um, are, are, are organising to save Toomba Harbour. Um, and and one they've got an event coming up, and it's called the Welcome Back. Shorebirds Festival. I, I think that this is a it's a great community event that, that mm. that's that's highlighting, you know, how wonderful the the the, the environment or, or their area is, um, and uh, in, in the same time um, looking to preserve it. So uh, we'll find out more about that after the eleven a.m. Z lines. Um, look, look, and uh, look. Make sure you stick around the scallywag of the week. Now we haven't decided, but there's a few scallywags within within the stories. One of the, plenty of them are, are, are worth the running. But if you think that you've got a good scallywag, we're an interactive uh, uh, program here on Workers Power on Four Triple Z. Send us an MSS an SMS on oh four two oh six two six seven double three. That's oh four two oh. Six two six seven double three. Give us your recommendation for the yeah. scallywag of the week. Did I get the number right? I did, didn't I? It nearly rolls off my tongue. I, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, before we go any further, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yagara and Turbul people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to elders, past and present, and we also acknowledge all First Nations comrades listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognition, reparations and land rights. We live and benefit on stolen land. It's time to pay the rent. All right, I've got a quick note. I'm only going to just say this really quickly because here there's a trigger warning. Um, I I just wanted to to quickly mention the the poor poor young fella, Mm. 17-year-old who passed uh, on the work site. Um, commiserations to his family um, we here on workers power it's really really difficult for us to to report on these things um, it, it, it's very and it would be very difficult for our learn, uh, our listeners as well um, but I I, 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 I I other than for us to say here at the beginning of the show the commiserations to 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 the, that young fella's family uh, I, I think that that it's about as far as we want to go because it's a, it's quite a distressing thing. So, um, yeah, just to mention it, you know, um, you know something, you know. Already, you can hear me struggling. You know, I really seventeen, seventeen. And, you know, I, I yes. So, you know, it, it's heartbreaking for for his family. 
um, and and his co-workers. Yeah. Um, so you know, like, and, and, and to every worker out there, because an injury to one is an injury to right. all. That's right. All right. That's right. And and yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough subject to bring up, but I thought that we should mention it. Um, we won't go into any details or anything that that I just wanted to mention that um, you know the, the you know you, especially in the union at the construction game uh, being a part of your union you know and the safety that's involved with being a part of your union union is a big part of that so mm. um, you know hopefully uh, that the union a, gets behind um, yeah that is what the reason why the CFMEU is one of the biggest unions out there is because it is a matter of life and death for you them. You didn't even say construction, but already I had, like, thought construction. Like... Alright, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a tough one, um, but I, I thought it's best that we, we, we acknowledge it and, and that it happens. And, and look, I do want to also acknowledge that, that some... So it's also... I've talked to it about comrades before, that we don't talk about um, workplace deaths too much mm. here on workers power and there is a reason for that it, and and you, you could hear it in, my, in the way that, that that i speak a lot of unions are a bit uncomfortable in 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 that space um it's it's really really difficult to deal with but sometimes we've got to diff- deal with the difficult things and um you know and and highlight that there are workers out there that 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 are, that are dying at the workplace mm. I, I think we'll leave it at that. Hey, look, look let's... Uh, okay, we shall move on to some uh, workers' power action. We've got some First Nations workers' action. And what we've got here is uh, Raylene has won a legal bid to stop Woodside from performing seismic blast- blasting on her country. I think this is something we've talked about a little bit before, like the previous stages yes, of this. Yes, we have. Um, and so now we've got a victory here. Mm. A traditional owner has successfully challenged in the federal court Woodside Energy's plan to begin seismic blasting off northern Western Australia as part of its Scarborough gas project. Traditional custodian Raylene Cooper, a Madud Hunara woman, filed for judicial review in August of the regulator's decision to approve Woodside's blasting plan, arguing the National Offshore Petroleum Safety and Environmental Management Authority made a legal error. On Thursday, Federal Court Justice Craig Colvin agreed. Despite finding Woodside's legally required consultation with First Nations stakeholders was inadequate, uh, they gave approval for seismic blasting on July 31, attaching a condition that further consultation needed to be carried out before blasting began. Justice Colvin found Nopsema had erred because the consultation should have been carried out before the approval was granted and set aside the regulator's decision. Mr. Cooper also argued that Woodsides did not meet a condition of Nepsema's approval by not properly consulting with her, but the judge did not agree. On September 14, Justice Colvin granted an urgent interlocutory Injunction preventing Woodside from starting blasting until Thursday. Seismic testing involves ships towing special air guns that blast compressed air, creating pulses of sound. This sound's energy is directed at the seafloor and penetrates underlying rock layers, with the sound patterns recorded used to build a picture of geological layers and oil and gas reserves beneath the seabed. 
According to the Environmental Defenders Office, which is representing Miss Cooper, the impacts of seismic blasting on marine animals such as whales can include damage to their hearing and their ability to communicate, stress, displacement from habitat, physical injuries and death. Woodside argued that the ongoing delay to starting its seismic survey is causing significant costs. The massive Scarborough field is located about 375 kilometres off Western Australia's northwest coast. The gas project will be connected to new offshore facilities by a 430-kilometre pipeline to the onshore Pluto Liquid Natural Gas Facility near Caratha. The project's development phase will include the installation of a floating production unit with eight wells drilled initially and 13 wells across the life of the gas field. Woodside expects to process about five to eight million tonnes of gas a year. Well, this is a great win. Yeah, it's a good win, but we've got a ways to go. We've got a ways to go, but, like, they, they, they approved it even though they didn't have the approval. They were like, go ahead, we'll give you the go ahead, even though they're... they're uh, consultation with First Nations people was found inaccurate. So uh, Raylene Cooper took them to court and won. Good honour. Awesome. Yeah. Well yeah, done. And this it goes to show the the um, how much they the government really cares about uh, corporations' consultation with First Nations people. Sure, they put it in there as a requirement, but they, when it comes to actually enforcing it, um, they'll only do it if someone makes a lot of noise about it. Um, oh, jeez. In, uh, in fear of being an old man yelling in the cloud, I don't think I am in this case, but this is dumb! This yeah. is just so stupid! Yeah. yeah, can I put in a re- approval to microwave all the whales? <laughs> this is just, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just, you know, deli- sound waves, you know, and uh, disrupting the seabed, you know? like These are like explosions. On. They're like explosions, but underwater. Yeah. You know, like, like um, seismic, like earthquake. Think earthquake. Yes, look, you know, like, uh, I can't comprehend the stupidity that's involved in this, you know, I really can't, you know. What what if I just took a a laser and I zapped all the whales? And even if you wanted to do something like this, um, obviously this this is absolutely unnecessary because we don't need fossil fuels, we need to get away from fossil fuels as quickly as possible. But, like, even if, like, say you wanted to look what's under the seabed for scientific purposes or whatever, there are absolutely better ways to do this than giant explosions. Yeah. Um, they, this is just the cheapest option for them. Yeah, it's profit. It's all about profit, not, not about survival of, of any species. In fact, it's, it's the distraction of, of uh, habitat um, that, that they're causing all in the name of profit. Maybe if I launch this application... Uh, I can I can just pick up all the whales like like a wet towel and I can squeeze them and twist them and some money will fall out. Yeah, and, and precious and, and look, money. Just, <laughs> and just uh, recently, I get this. I watched an old movie, but a cla- bit of a classic, right? It was made like well before that the, even you you were born. But it's a Star Trek, one of the Star Trek movies, oh, yeah. right? And now one of the Star Trek movies, the 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 premise. I think oh, I'm going to spend a couple of minutes on it <laughs> because because I think it's it's worthy of noting what because Star Trek 
have said what what they're concerned of uh, what might happen and mm. what what's been what what happened in this uh, particular movie is there's been this giant um, alien really highly intelligent life form that for for neo- eons has been communicating with the whales oh right? right but then the whales stop talking back right and they come they've come to find out what what what's going on with the whales? My friends, the whales have stopped talking to to me, right? And, yeah, they're and in they, danger. They've, <laughs> and then they've created these aliens that they create that they create. They've got this life force about them that just shuts everything down mm-hmm. on their way. So on their way to Earth, they've shut it all down. And then then uh, you know, Kirk and and crew go back in time. They go back in time. They're always going back in time to get some whales. They bring them <laughs> back to the future. Right, so so that the the whales can can say to the to the aliens, yeah, we're all right, don't worry, leave us alone, and then they fly away. You know, and the movie ends, everyone's happy. But you know, it's all, it's all fiction, right? But mm. there's some little bit of fact in there. The yeah, whales well, it's all are dying. Political. Star Trek was very political. It was well, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, sh- hats off to Kirk and the crew. Yeah, <laughs> the, the aliens are like a metaphor for like impending the destruction that looms if the whales get taken out for whatever reason. Yeah, that's you right. Know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Good little analogy. I, mm. And and I watched that this week, literally this week. But uh, yes, that's uh, you know, once they're gone, they're gone. We'll never give them back. They're, time travel. Time travel is 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 fiction. You know, when uh, if the whales are gone, they're gone. So. Uh, well done yeah. to comrades uh, like Raylene Cooper, um, who are you know out there. Um, Fighting for yeah, what's right. Yeah, and taking on a massive oh, yeah, oil and yeah. gas company. That's yeah. a real David Taking and on these big organisations. You know, I know I got it a little bit with Coles, but, you know, if you, if you want to know what it's like uh, taking on big big organisations, you could <laughs> yeah. just ask Ben Pennings. I, I think it'd be the, mm. uh, the one to ask. Uh, hey, uh, look, and, like, this is yet another example of First Nations people all over the world being at the forefront of the fight for environmental protection and for, like, saving their country. That's right. Now, hey, we've got a little bit of feedback. Uh, Chris has uh, um, messaged in, and uh, and Chris has said, your concern and respect for workplace death is evident and justified. Thank you for that, Chris. Um, On a different note, watching the almost continuous wave of birds on the east coast of Morton Island at this time, many heading south to Tunda. So, so yeah, the return of the shorebirds, and um, I, I, I think that um, uh, Chris is looking forward to that. And Chris, you'll also be looking forward to. We've got a a story well, with thanks to your help uh, coming up in the second half of the show um, to do with uh, uh, Sri Lanka workers. Uh, um, so you'll be looking forward to that one. Um, oh, well, look, let's. Uh, oh, we got. Oh, oh, we got David who's come in. The whales won't talk to you because you owe them $50 for rent for swimming in their ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to David. That is a great comment, David. Yo, yo, maybe the whales should seize McBlast their homes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> maybe I should just seize McBlast. Yeah. Seize McFly's these CEOs' homes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just want to see if there's any oil underneath your couch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, look, the, for the next uh, bit on the show, we, we, we're going to talk about a win. Hell yeah. But before we go into that, I just want to uh, quickly mention that we've got a new member of the team. 
um, that's going to be working a little bit in the background. They're not, they might come in the studio every now and again, but uh, shout out to uh, Michael, uh, mm. Michael, who's uh, been been writing some some content for us uh, in the background. Uh, so it'll be uh, Michael comes with a little bit of uh, journalism experience. So it'll be very very good to have them in the background. So welcome to to Michael, and let, let's work to get them in the in the forefront. You know, so yeah. of course. Uh, um, and it's always good. We're a team here at Workers Power. We always have been. Um, ever since uh, Fergal abandoned me, I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought I'd better build a team, you know. So you liked that, didn't you? Uh, but uh, y- yes, uh, uh, we've got many contributors. And we've even, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we, we've had um, a, a good story lead from Chris. Um, so looking forward to that. But first off, uh, let's, uh, let's uh, what we're going to do to, as a lead-in, we're going to uh, play, hear from the workers themselves. This was recorded on the picket line, so let's hear from them. Working in Inghams is such a hard, fast-paced, demanding job. We are timed when we go to the toilet. We are pushed to the point that our bodies hurt all day long where we can't look after our families because we're in so much pain. People are now trying to survive. In that sense, I believe that's not fair. That's why people are angry and shouting. They're on strike because they want a cost of living increase. The least they deserve is a pay rise that keeps up with cost of living. It's disgraceful that they're only paid $25 an hour. They cannot live on it. The money not enough for our living. You're always behind paying the bills. We keep fighting until we win because we work for them hard. They earn more money and they pay us less. We need better conditions. We need a better pay rise. And that is why we are all here to fight for everybody. If the company or the management of the business are not going to consider a fair wage increase, I think it, it is worth it to keep fighting until we, we get whatever we believe is fair. Roughly we get after tax on a grade to $800. The cost of living has risen so much. People's mortgages, people's rent per week are like $500. How can you live, pay your bills, feed your children, look after your family? A lot of workers here are immigrants that need to send money back home to their families. We can't afford it. We're living day by day. So we have to take a choice. We pay our rent or we eat decent food. It's not the way it is in Australia. We are here for a good life. We are here for a better life. Australia is a great country. Treat us like how we deserve to be treated. Pay us what we are deserved to be paid. And they did win. So, the headline of the story reads, Poultry workers in South and Western Australia have reason to crow this week. Can I just say the music in that video was absolutely banger. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. It, it was good, you know. It was, it was, it, 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 I, I like playing those because... You hear from the workers, and you hear why they're doing it, and you hear the the divert. You can hear the diversity in that. You know, there's only you know one one minute fifty two, um, and you can just hear so much uh, um, a, a about the movement, and then you know we can move on to um, reporting their victory. Who's who's up for re- reading that? I, I yeah, will. But so after bargaining <laughs> with Inghams for the past year, workers at the Bolivar and Osborne Park factories have seen a major win. 
Wednesday last week, the United Workers' Union signed a three-year agreement with Inghams, meaning workers will be getting a $100 pay rise. That's a 5.1% increase in the first year and 4% in the following years. Inghams initially only offered an agreement with a 3.9% increase for the first year, which was refuted by the actioning workers. Union National Secretary Tim Kennedy said that these workers have demonstrated that by sticking together and saying that the essential work that we all recognised during the pandemic that they performed and that they can continue to perform needs to be recognised in the way that they are treated at work. Workers also secured wins regarding the rights of casual workers, including a 30% cap on how many casuals a processing plant can take on. The United Workers' Union said this is a, an histor- a historic win that will have rippling effects on the processing industry. Uh, yeah. Hell yeah! Awesome. Uh, it's always awesome. I-, I love the work that the United Workers' Union does with migrant workers. Um, cause that's definitely one of like the most vulnerable, um, sectors of uh, the Australian workforce. There are barriers. Yeah. I mean, like o- often these people, you know, they have, um, th- their ability to live here and not be deported back home is based on their employer. Um, and, and that creates obviously a very threatening situation. Um, a, a very, um, and a very like... Uh, yeah, unstable situation where they have a lot of power. The, the bosses have a lot of power over them. So Absolutely. Uh, when they get together and start fighting back and um, start getting some power for themselves, it's always an incredible thing. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It, it does happen a lot with um, you know where where there's uh, predominantly women and predominantly mm. new 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 uh, Australians working. Yeah, the boss puts it over them. Like, even if you know it's not fair, you might just take it because you're like, well, damn, I mean, what else am I going to do, hey? Yeah, but uh, look, a hundred bucks a week, mm. that's huge. That's yeah. uh, that, that's yeah. something that you can say, yeah. That's yeah. going to improve their lives. Yeah, that's right. It's, you know, like a hundred bucks a week, you know, and, and look, uh, sometimes you, you'll hear a rise as a fifty bucks a week. Now, fifty bucks a week isn't all that much anymore, right? Mm. But... You know, it it, it, it it quickly goes fifty bucks. You know, so you know it's, it doesn't sound as good as a hundred dollars. You know, so big chunk of change, good on them, and that's what you get. That's what you get when you uh, when you take action. And it's a it's a harder fight. It's a harder fight when you're a migrant in Australia. Yeah, would would be much tougher. Th- you've got yeah. more to lose. Yeah. Also, I don't know if we read this headline, but poultry workers in South and Western Australia have reason to crow. This I, I read it out. Oh, okay. oh yeah, yeah. We <laughs> Look, love we, them we, bird puns. We've got we've got a journal worker for us now, <laughs> so they're always going to put the puns in there whenever they can. It, it, that's what they do. They have a bit of fun with it. So yeah, mm. yeah, it's good. No, no, no. Shout out to Michael, who's who spent a bit of time rural um, journaling, and and that's ended. But but is back in town. It was a, a, a lot long time ago was a member of RAFU, that's how I first met them, but uh, yeah, it, um, wanting to uh, keep their skills up, so, and then they've got on to another, they've, they've just got a, a, a quick update for us, here on the child sector workers, enjoy rollout of the new laws. So it's been described as an historic feat where early childhood educators have been granted the ability through their union to bargain across multiple employers. 
So oh. the, the Fair Work Commission signed off on the agreement last Wednesday, which will allow bargaining between worker and employee... Across between workers and employers across 64 employers. The agreement was fought by uh, for uh, the by the United Workers Union, the Independent Education Union of Australia and the Australian Education Union and included a submission from the Australian Council of Trade Unions. Uh, President of the ACTU, Michelle O'Neill, said on the victory, for years, early childhood educators' real wages have gone backwards, forcing them to leave the job they love to put food on the table for their own families in this cost-of-living crisis. Over 90% of workers in the sector are women, who in the past have been locked out of the bargaining process and had their work undervalued. Unionists expect this new agreement will set new standards for wages and rights for early education across Australia. So that's the new laws that have come in. This is huge. For the secure jobs, uh, better better pay legislation. And that's where um, you you can apply to the Fair Work Commission which is which is what they've done and they've they've the fair work commission has accepted it to um bargain across uh, different employers right get some sort of industrial yeah so childcare childcare is one sector that it makes sense where mm. you know you've got say, they don't get no respect yeah, their well, job is incredibly important it's literally one of the most important jobs. If I'm thinking about important jobs it's up there like you know what I mean like children you know what I mean like 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 it's 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 a, it's a big job it's a huge job right and it's it's a rewarding one but they don't get it they don't get treated like it's an important job that you know what i mean they don't get respected and a big part of it is because uh, like a lot of them are women yeah or or yeah. even yeah. even even like the 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 10% that aren't women uh they don't get res- they don't get respected either because just just doing uh, that that kind of role of childcare is is not seen as something that that that, that gets you a lot of respect. Yeah, that's right, and you're spot on there. It's, and they're it's, invisible. There's, it's such an important part of the education process that, that there's there's a lot of studies. Uh, that, that, look, look I talked stopped. to my partner about it, but in between three and five, it's just so crucial. If they mm. stop really for is. one day, how much would shut down? Well, that's right, you know, because there's so many people, you know, the women you, you, rely yeah, on them. Yeah, you need, you need to have Families. your child in child care if you're going to do, go do, do all your other stuff. If, if they shut down, how much else would shut down? Like, people don't even think about that. And this is pretty big too, because previously industrial bargaining was illegal in Australia. That's right. And now there is a pathway for it to actually happen here. Yeah, and childcare is 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 a sector that it really really makes sense. And to 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 use uh, the analogy from 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 that I know from from my area, uh, the Ipswich childcare centres. Hmm. You know, the United Workers Union could say, right, well, you know, that that that's the whole all the workers in, in Ipswich childcare centres. And it, look, it could be bigger areas than that. I'm I'm sure the, the sixty four employers probably cover a bigger area, but but I'm just trying to uh, relay it in, in my mind and, and, and how I, I, I'm interpreting the, that it works. And that, that you get all the childcare people from Ipswich 
to negotiate a deal for, for, for all of them. And it's a tough job. Oh, it is. It's exhausting. It is. Yeah. It's a lot of work. you got to be alert. You're looking after multiple kids. It's, yeah, you need a bigger paycheck. They do not get paid enough. They do not get respected enough. It's messed up. Yeah. And, and a big part of it is because it's because they're mostly women. And that just boils my blood. Yep. And uh, look, there, there's always been solidarity from workers' power with this industry. I can think back to... We, we've we've had guests on for years and, mm. uh, and, and the Big Steps campaign yeah. and, uh, and all that. So... And Look, this is a pretty big step. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this this sector and the aged care sector is really, really need needs addressing for the workers. But uh, you know, the, the the unions are out there; they're fighting. And yeah. uh, and like uh, Australia's always been a bit of an outlier, hasn't it? With like its lack of industrial bargaining. I know they have a fair bit of industrial bargaining in the US, and as they should. Mm, yeah. yeah. And in many other countries as well. That's so right. Th- you know. So this is um, this is some pretty big news because uh, industrial bargaining is a very powerful tool for workers. It sure is. It I mean, sure what have is. you got without it? Oh, industrial, as in like um, or, uh, bargaining across an industry, as opposed to a single employer. Yeah. Because when you have all these workers getting together, they outnumber the employers by. magnitude Uh, uh, an order of magnitude more than if it was just a single workplace yeah yeah And so, so now we we are joined on the phone. We we've got uh, Rob, uh, who is uh, they're part of. Let me look this up. I want to get the wording correct here. They're part of the Queensland Waiters Study Group. Welcome to Workers Power, Robert. Oh, thanks very much, Bill. It's really good to be with you. Yes, I'm with the Queensland Waiters Study Group. Um, I'm really here today representing them, but also the Tunda Alliance, which is a lot of different organisations, um, uh, both local and national, that are putting on the Welcome Back Shorebirds Festival on the 14th of um, October. Uh, that's uh, Saturday week in the afternoon from 1 to 5 down at uh, Walter Park in Cleveland. Yes, yeah, and, 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 and it sounds... Uh, look, I've never been, but uh, I really, really want to get out there. And, uh, look, one of our... Um one of our listeners has, has uh, 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 sent a message in that, that there's um, that there's actually you, you can watch the layers of the birds migrating back to the shore. Could you could you tell us a bit about that spectacle? I, I will do. I mean, yeah, look, thank, thanks for asking, and thanks to the listener for for, um, for um, uh, mentioning the the, the shorebirds. Uh, Morton Bay, particularly the south part of Morton Bay, is just this amazing place. At the present moment, there's about 35,000 um, migrating shorebirds. And what are they? A shorebird's a bird that lives between the land and the sea, mostly on the mudflats when the tide goes out and it's where it feeds. And um, the birds we have in Morton Bay, they, they have this amazing, do this amazing journey twice a year. In June every year, way up in the top of Alaska inside the Arctic Circle and in Siberia, they, um, they have their chicks. And uh, these chicks are like little fluff balls, except they've got these amazingly big legs. So as soon as they're hatched, they can run around and feed. And within three weeks, they can fly. And um, within five weeks, they begin to their journey south. They fly down towards China. They have a bit of a break there to um, feed up and then they fly non-stop all the way back to Morton Bay. It takes them wow. between 8 and 11 days, depending on the wind. 
they've got to build up a lot of food. They eat a lot of food so they can never stop because they can't actually um, can't actually land in the water. And they fly over and they come to Moreton Bay and they come back exactly to where they were. So if they live in Toondo Harbour or if they live over at Dunwich or they live down near Kuchimazo, they go back to those spots every year. Uh, quite amazing, um, these birds. They're in decline a lot and they depend on... Um, these wonderful mudflats. Now, the largest one, called the eastern curlew, has got a bill. It's, um, eastern curlew, by the way, is about the size of a football. If you hold a football, that's the size of an eastern curlew. And it's got a bill that's longer than its whole body. It can scratch its bum when it turns its head round. <laughs> and it uses that long bill to... You know, if you've ever been out to round damage or on the, on the mudflats, you see all those... Um, uh, soldier crabs, you know, the soldier crabs, they run around and they, as soon as you get close to them, they disappear into the mud, they just bury down. And they use that long bill um, to eat soldier crabs. Soldier crabs is like, you know, eating prawns, you know, we like to eat prawns. They like, uh, soldier crabs is their thing. It's one of the best places in the world for soldier crabs, and that's why they're there. And um, some of the, the last big flock in Australia is there in the, in the southern part, um, of uh, of the bay off Tunda and up round Dunwich and down towards um, down towards Coochie Island. They're amazing, amazing birds. And the festival on the fourteenth between one and five is to celebrate um, those birds and that the fact that they, for for tens of thousands of years, have decided that this part of Morton Bay where we live is where they live as well. And it's about protecting them and looking after them and making them part of our community. Yeah, I was wondering when I heard about this event, like, what is so special about the shorebirds uh, that you're holding a whole festival for them? But hearing that um, Moreton Bay is a stop on this, like, massive world-spanning journey is such an incredible thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They have, um, they've got this um, navigation system, which is better than a, uh, 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 international aircraft um, flying. They, they've got um, they they can tap into um, the world's magnetic field, and they do that. They've got little ions, little particles in the watery substance in their eyes, the and this allows them to tap, tap into, into the, the magnetic world field? magnetic field. And um, so they they can then use that magnetic field to navigate from all the way from Alaska down here, and they. If they've never done it before, um, it's a, the, the route is mapped into their, their brains and, uh, genetically. And once they get here, they've also got a kind of photographic memory. So as they move um, into Morton Bay, they recognise everything. They can recognise the sandbanks, where to feed, where to roost and, and, and rest and so on. And they're kind of like home. And they're, they're here from August all the way through to April. And then they go north. In the, when our winter comes and the snow goes off the parts of the Arctic, they go up north again and then they come back and they use that magnetic field and that ability. We don't have that ability as human beings at all, but they have this amazing ability to use the magnetic field to, uh, to, to navigate their way back, all the way back to Morton Bay. That's Quite awesome. Yeah, amazing stuff, isn't it? You know, we're only just learning about that. It's only been about five or six years now oh. that we discovered that they had this, this, um, Little, these little receptors in in the in the watery substance in their eyes, which they use to link into the magnetic field, and from there that information goes into their small brains, and they can use that small brain uh, the, that information to uh, to navigate. You know, if if um, 
uh, jet airliner needs uh, at least um, two <laughs> large computers to actually manage anything like that at all. That's so awesome. They do that with their eyes. They yeah. do that. Yeah, it's it's not through seeing. It's through it's through the uh, these little magnetic um, ions in their eyes that communicate with the um, with the with the magnetic field we have around us. Well, that sounds yeah. it, it sounds fantastic and and, and a really a, a really good site and um, there, there's lots of the the community are, are, are involved. Could could you let us know some of the community groups and and, and yeah. some of the people that you're kind of expecting there on the day? Yep. Okay. Well, we we're hoping a, first of all like a big turnout. If you you don't have to necessarily be a member of a group. You know, bring Granny along. Bring the kids. There'll be piles of stuff for kids. Um, bring bring your friends along. Um, there'll be food. There'll be music, um, and so on. And some of the groups in the alliance, for example, there's um, Redlands 2030, the local group that's been lobbying to save the Toonda Harbour for for eight or nine years now. There's um, ACF, um, the the Bayside branch. Um, they've done a, a fantastic amount of work to uh, to get this up and, and running. Of course, there's the Wader Study Group. There's the group that look after the koalas in the area. I don't know if many people realise, but there's a koala colony um, right at Toonda Harbour in the, in the trees around Walter Park. And it's it's one of the uh, most amazing things that these uh, koalas still live in that uh, um, urban area. Um, there's BirdLife Australia and the local BirdLife branch, and there are a number of others as well. But they're the kind of key groups that um, are putting on the festival, but also doing lots of other work, writing to members of parliament, lobbying the, the federal health minister, writing reports, um, um, encouraging um, people to save and make sure that the bay stays as a place for animals and uh, birds and uh, and uh, and for people and that it's a, a shared space that we share the shorelines uh, and that it's not uh, taken over by particular interest groups who may want to develop it and not really uh, take into account that this is uh, one of the world's great treasures um, Morton Bay. Well yeah yeah th no thank you for that and and look uh, there's a lot of uh cross-sectional uh, things happening here and a, a lot of uh, community groups that yeah. are, are, are you know working to highlight the importance and uh, and 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 of course to to, to save Tunda harbor but um we, we we say here on workers power that the community are workers and and workers are the community so um this one we we, we call this this little uh it, 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 it's community power and 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 uh, education isn't it it is community power, and um, I'll tell you, you know, and it's, it's, and of course, it's an old story, and that the people involved here knew, of course, for the last seven, eight, nine years or so in this pro project. But you know that um, when Morton Bay became a marine park in 1991 and became a Ramsar site, that it became internationally recognised as one of the world's most important wetlands. Australia, um, the Australian government at the time signed um, the international treaty which protects this this area as in many other areas around the world that the work and that was done all the way back in 1991-92 was done by local community groups now my my group of course are people who are interested in birds but there are others interested in seagrass or mangroves or or or, or, or uh, dugongs or whales or turtles um, and these different groups, they, they, they walk the shores of Morton, Morton 
Bay. Um, they recorded what they saw, they wrote their reports, they lobbied government, and at that time the Queensland government said, yep, okay, um, but this is going to become a marine park for all, you know, for, for all Queenslanders. And then a year later, all that information went up to the federal government, and the federal government said yes, um, and they uh, put a submission into the Ramsar Convention, as it's called, and uh, the Ramsar Convention added it to the list of the world's most important wetlands. And that was driven by community effort. And here we have today another community effort, local groups saying, let us um, make sure that um, the marine park and the bay is, is there for everybody. And it, it's because lots and lots of community folk and, um, and groups care about the bay and care about sharing the shorelines that we're having the festival on the 14th of October, Saturday week. And very sadly, the Tunda Harbour is under threat again. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yes. Well, um, it's surprising, um, but uh, it's been nine years now. Nine years. Hard to believe since um, there was um, a deal that we're not really allowed to know about because it's commercial incompetence between the Redland uh redland city council and the state government and the developer um to um build a um what is almost like a new mini city out over the mudflats at tunda harbour and um it's surprising that um this is commercial incompetence so we only have a, a general view but it's over three and a half thousand um units, um, shopping centres and, and so forth, and a small harbour that will build out over the, the mudflats and over the Walter Park, which is a, a you know, public area. Uh, and um, they will uh, revamp the um, ferry terminal. It certainly needs revamping. And it will remove for all time this part of the marine park. Uh, and it will, because be a private development. So whereas now this is public land, uh, cared for and looked after by people, um, it will become a private space uh, and it will extinguish this part of the, of the marine park and the bay. Uh, and so what the Toondra Alliance is doing is saying uh, enough is enough. Um, development is an important um, part of life and in fact the, the ferry terminal does need to be development developed um, it's an old ferry terminal and certainly needs a better ferry terminal for people on uh, out on Stratty. but um destroying uh, a marine park uh, and ignoring an international convention is not on and uh, we should be wiser and smarter at the way we develop um uh, things for the future than by destroying uh, things that we all care about. Spot on. You, you've summed it up really, really well, Rob. You, you, you've done, you've done really, really well to to describe it for us and and get um, our listeners excited about um, heading down on. 14th of May, 1 p.m. at GJ Walter. 14th, 14th of October. October. Why am I looking at something that says May? <laughs> October. Well, we might well, have one in May as well, but let's uh, let's go for October. Yeah, let's go let's, for um, October. It's um, it's a serious business, but it's a fun fun afternoon, and it's it's for everybody. Um, you don't have to be an expert in birds. You don't have to be wanting to man the barricades. 
just come along and you know become curious and get interested and and have a lot of fun and realize that you know Moreton Bay is for for everybody wonderful for, for birds and creatures and animals and for people as well and what the new way is how we share the shorelines together so that we have a good time on the shore and so do the birds Yes, well, thank you. And on that note, we will leave it. Thank you very much for uh, taking the time uh, to chat with us here on Workers' Power, Rob. And uh, um, I'm yep. sure myself and many listeners uh, look forward to seeing the shorebirds on the 14th of October. Thank, thanks very much, Bill. It's, uh, thanks very much for involving us. And welcome back to Workers' Power here on a 4 Z. My name's Bill. I use the him pronouns. I'm Jenna. I use she, her. And I'm Jackson. I use they, them. Okay. We, uh, and that was a great little interview. That a little bit mm. different from, from, from the normal Workers' Power, but... Community power is workers' power, and workers' power is community power. Yeah. So, and if birds, magnetic. Birds <laughs> in their eyeballs, mag- they can see the magnetics and fly all over the earth. That's some, that's some crazy stuff there. Yeah, I think the coolest thing for me was finding out that Moreton Bay is like the stop on this journey from like Moreton Bay all the way to... Um, what what was it called the the place that's it like goes to Russia? That's yeah, a crazy long distance. Uh, but like Alaska, that was it. Like it was from Alaska to Moreton Bay, which is absolutely insane. Um, Their yeah, wings and if, tired. And if you want to find out more about these incredible show, sh- shorebirds as well as the entire Moreton Bay ecosystem, uh, look up the Welcome Back Shorebirds Festival, um, which is taking place at GJ Walter Park on the 14th of October. Now, um, the 14th of October is notably Referendum Day. Um, so if you do want to go to this festival, make sure that you plan ahead for getting your vote in, uh, whether that's beforehand, um, during a pre-vote or... Yeah, pre-poll's a big thing now, so you can yeah. go and go and get it, you know, like, a, you know, just after you grab dinner to, you know, I think that happens today. Oh, yeah. I think it's happening today. Oh. Look, double-check on that, um, comrades. But, yeah, there is some pre-polling happening. So, you know, you could pick up dinner one night and pop in and, 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 and do your uh, democratic duty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, we, 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 I think we've got two main stories plus events that we're going to talk about t- tonight, uh, today. Um, oh, three. First off, let's uh, rip into, um, uh, we've got a bit of an uh, update and and we've got Chris is a bit interested in in what's happening over at Sri Lanka. So what we've got is uh, Sri Lankan workers begin sit-in strike at government-owned company to defend jobs. Yeah, so this uh, story, I mean, it's not like exactly what Chris was talking about last week, but it does actually happen to cover a lot of the same stuff while also being a really interesting struggle that is happening um, like, uh, well it's on the 30th of September it happened Uh, Workers at the Cooperative Wholesale Establishment in Sri Lanka have been holding a sit-in strike since Monday to protest the liquidation of the company and the compulsory retirement and termination of all its employees, effective September 30th. Um, 
Okay, so this uh, this was from like last month, basically. Uh, 300 workers will lose their jobs and all properties owned by the company will be sold off to the private sector. The decision follows the Cabinet's approval in July of a paper submitted by the Minister of Trade, Commerce and Food Security, Nalan Fernando. Established in 1950, the CWE is a state-owned enterprise, or SOE, uh, involved in wholesale and retail trading. It, its declared purpose is to provide essential items, including food, to consumers at reasonable prices. It is the first SOE to be closed and all its jobs acts axed under savage austerity measures demanded by the International Monetar Monetary Fund, or IMF, in return for a $3 billion bailout loan. Uh, the CWE workers were sent a letter from Acting Chairman Persander Yapa Abe Wardena, dated the 20th of September. It declared that they would be paid the eligible maximum compensation of uh, US $5,150. The letter stated, however, that loans, advances, and other amounts received by workers from the institution would be deducted from this compensation payment, and that these could be subject to legal action. In other words, the retrenched workers will either be paid a very meager compensation or possibly nothing at all. Officials from the Lanka Porijana Progressive Trade Union and the Sri Lanka Freedom Employees Union, led by the ruling, um, the ruling political parties, uh, met with the Secretary of the Ministry of Trade, Commerce and Food Security on September 15th. They appealed for reconsideration of the liquidation of the CWE. He declared that it was a decision of the cabinet and could not be changed. The unions have filed a court case requesting an injunction to prevent the shutdown of the CWE. It was submitted on Wednesday with a court's decision scheduled to be announced on October 2nd. World Socialist website reporters spoke with several CWE workers this week who explained the immense hardship they will face if they lose their jobs. A driver's assistance from the CWE's warehouse transport department at McCallum Road in Colombo said everyone opposes compulsory retirement and says they want to keep their jobs but if the government closes CWE then we should be given at least five million rupees um, which d isn't as much as it sounds rupees are not worth a lot he, um, he explained that he had 1.7 million rupees in loans and that many others had taken out loans in the hope that they could work until the age of 60 uh, my so for, for some uh, com uh, context there 1.6 million rupees is around uh, 5,000 US dollars um, so that's all they're getting for losing their jobs um, my basic monthly salary is only 32,000 rupees and with all allowances included it's 42,000 rupees but now there's no overtime I must bring my lunch from home because it's too expensive to spend money on outside food he said after loan repayments to the company, the worker only receives about 30,000 rupees. Uh, one worker denounced the repressive laws being introduced by President Wickremesinghe to silence workers. There is no freedom of speech. All that is going to be restricted, he said. The government issued essential service orders against the train driver strike. It has no right to do so. Another employee, a security worker who was about to retire, said that his basic monthly salary was 43,000 rupees. If you do overtime, you can get 85,000 rupees, but after paying off loans, you'll only get about 50,000 rupees. My wife works in a bank just so we can make ends meet, he said. 
referring to last year's mass protests and strikes that brought down President Gotabaya Rajapaksi and his government, he added, there will be another such uprising soon. People are tired of capitalist parties. I voted for the Sri Lanka Podu Paramuna, but now I'm freaking out about it. A worker said CWE workers did not want to retire. The majority of us can work for another 15 to 20 years before we retire, so it's a serious problem to lose these jobs. We have children to feed. She explained how CWE management exploited its employees. Many employees, including herself, were covering work for which they were not responsible, but they have not been given a a promotion in 20 years. In line with IMF dictates, the Sri Lankan government has targeted 430 SOEs for restructuring, privatization, or closure, declaring that these attacks will be fully imposed before the end of the year. At least 500,000 public sector workers will lose their jobs and millions of their family members will be severely affected as a result. A state minister for finance, Sehan Semasing, told the media on the 16th of September, in the near future, the government's economic policies will primarily depend on the private sector. The government will only act as a regulatory authority. Um, yeah, so... This is really sad. Yeah, there, there's some... And uh, Chris, Chris says uh, the, the saddest part of the IMF... Mm. locally known as International Mother, <laughs> was was the only option for relief last year. Again, the poor are paying the corporate greed of a corrupt government. Mm, yeah, you, the, the IMF is an absolute parasite. Um, they, they, they have a long track record of finding, uh, like, small third world-ish countries that are, like, uh, are, are struggling financially they're going through some sort of financial crisis they come in they go we'll give you three billion dollars as long as you privatize everything um implement severe austerity measures basically screw over your your entire country all your people your even your own economy because we know this isn't actually good for your economy that's all um economic like lies um but what it does do is it allows u.s corporations and you know corporations in general to come in and colonize the country because now that there aren't these state-owned enterprises that are like providing actually reasonable alternatives to um like getting price gouged out of your groceries um they they can come in, set whatever prices they want, and extract all the wealth from the country that they can. Uh, and all it costs the IMF is a $3 billion bailout. And people are going to die because of it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and ov- obviously all this is happening as well uh, in r- relation to the... I mean, I mean not obviously. Um, all, all this is happening uh, in relation as well to, like, a... Uh, a lot of like political corruption um there there are like i there was like bombings in 2019 which have been um tied back to like political families trying to gain power um there there have been like uh, uh the the there were like there was an uprising um last year i think it was uh which took out the president um and the prime minister said oh yeah i'm gonna resign uh but lied about that and um just became the president themselves and now have has implemented this like severe uh authoritarian regime uh oppressing any sort of like uh 
political organization um, with any means necessary, like violence, whether it's necessary or not. Um, mm. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Like, the stuff is pretty bad in Sri Lanka, and now the IMF is going in there, and it is going to get even worse. Well, uh, yeah, no, thank you for that, and thanks, for Chris, uh, for, for highlighting it for us, and uh, that's a pretty good update there, there comrade, well done, and uh, we, we, we'll stay tuned to that, I think we'll get more reporting on that from Chris and from our own means, and, and also um, one of my former colleagues... Um, is of Sri Lankan descent, and I, I might even give her a call. I know, I know she's very, very passionate about this as well, and uh, um, you know, so um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, good stuff that uh, we we highlight things. And and look, Chris didn't even uh, didn't know about that particular dispute, uh, but another friend helped his factory employees escape the anti labour violence from the government. So, oh yeah, 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 fantastic. Now, look, we, we better move on. And um, in, in a um, combined little thing, we're going to do the scallywag of the week is Leah Weckert. It's a new, the new CEO from Coles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, um, Coles and, and Woolies workers are both uh, taking... Uh, well, Woolies workers are doing partial bans at the moment. Mm. Uh, Coles, as we reported... Woolies, we reported on the Woolies workers last week. And um, the Coles workers uh, are, are starting industrial action... Um, on Friday, and some of, some of theirs, look, they're going to have the same bans as in no training of scabs, mm. no boss meeting with bosses, but theirs are a, a little bit different. Um, they, they've put uh, bans on cleaning to any toilets because oh. they make some of their staff clean toilets okay. and they don't pay them any extra. There's, there's a ban on, on all work associated with emptying uh, a trolley of rubbish or other refuse or handling any refuse left in a trolley. Interesting. You know, because so customers leave behind their rubbish so, mm. and it's expected, uh, you, you know, for, for workers to clean that up. Well, we're putting a ban on... Uh, the workers are putting a ban on that. There's a lot more. Um, we don't have time to go through them all. Um, you know, like... Uh, but the one the, the one that, that that is very, very exciting for me as an organiser, and I've got to, you know, get out there and support my members, and that is a ban on the performance of work in clothes that are not RAFWU clothes oh. or clothes to which <laughs> RAFWU badges and other campaign items are not attached. Nice. That's oh, a good yeah. one, isn't it? You know, Hell so yeah. so there's a lot of good bands in there. The members have worked really, really hard on that. We're a member-driven union, mm -hmm. and so the members are going to be to decide that. And there is also stop work actions, i.e., strikes happening across across the country. Both Coles and Woolworths are going to be striking on Saturday, 10 a.m. to midday um, across the country. And then again on Tuesday at 9am to 11pm, that's at night because a lot of workers, uh, they, they fill, fill stuff at night. Oh, um, So nice. they're, they're, yeah. they're going out on strike then, you know, so um, who knows who's going to put the, put the stuff on the shelves on Tuesday nights. <laughs> um, the store manager will be out there doing it. Um, but, uh, and, and then just one last thing on it, what we're going to do is we're going to have a virtual picket. No, not a virtual, an actual picket line um, <laughs> in the Brisbane CDB, CBD Monday, uh, Saturday morning, Saturday morning, 10am, 
at the Meyer Centre Maccas on the corner of uh, Elizabeth and Albert Streets, it is. We're going to meet up there and uh, we're going to um, uh, uh, cheer uh, the uh, Meyer Centre Coles workers who are taking uh, industrial action as they walk out. Uh, we'll be there to greet them at the Meyer Centre McDonald's, 10 a.m. Saturday morning. Okay, oh, yeah. that's Exciting our scallywag. Stuff. Now let, let's go th- quickly. Go like we've got three minutes. Yes, we've got a couple events to talk events about. Events to talk about. Um, one of them is a Stop Black Deaths in Custody National Day of Action being organised by the Black Sovereign Movement um, in Brisbane. It is being held at King George Square at a at 11 a.m. Um, the yeah, so it's a rally to implement the recommendations from the 1991 Royal Commission into the Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. Um, yes. So yeah, you, you can you can. Uh, Head out, show some solidarity with Raffle, and then head up and, and show uh, um, your disgusted black deaths in custody all in the one morning. And you can check out the Black Sovereign Movement on their socials, and that's black without a C. Hmm. Um, and our last event is a film on Saw Gig. Yes, yes. Um, I'm just... I had it here, and... Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Phil Monsoor and friends at, at Close Enough for Country. It's on at the cave-in, 29th of October, Sunday, 29th of October. So plenty of times, um, plenty of time to, to, to get in, in, in there. And, uh, yes, uh, 29th of October, Phil Monsoor and friends at the cave-in. Hell yeah. Who Phil is definitely a comrade of ours here at Workers Power. Absolutely. Fantastic music. Always got some union bangers. Okay, we're done. We got it in. Yep. <laughs> we're nearly out of time. We 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 are basically out of time because I've got a new track from Gut Health who who we've been enjoying here on uh Workers Power. But uh look uh, that that's it for us and uh, look you will see us all of us on Saturday morning so showing solidarity with Rafu workers one more time that's at the Meyer Centre McDonald's on the corner of Albert and Elizabeth Street 10am we'll see you there alright but other than that that's it for Workers Power we will see you next uh, next Tuesday see you next Tuesday see comrades. you next Tuesday